Well, good morning. Uh, before we get to our text in Luke chapter 10, we're going to pray for two special groups of people today. Um, as you know, November 11th is set aside as a day to honor our veterans. And as part of that special day, Discover is going to help transport some of uh, the local veterans to the, the uh, Dublin Veterans Day ceremony. Um, right now, if you are in our service and you are a veteran, would you please stand so we can recognize you and give you a gift from our global cafe? Please stand right now. Any veterans? Thank you so much for serving. Thank you again for serving. Um, Dave Welsh, who is our global outreach minister, uh, is also uh, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and he's going to have a prayer for our veterans right now. Let's come before the cross. Gracious Father, today we pray and honor our veterans, worthy men and women who gave their best when they were called upon to serve and protect our country. We pray that you will bless them, Lord, for their sacrificial service in the continuing struggle to preserve our freedoms, our safety, and our country's heritage for all of us. Bless them abundantly for the hardships they faced, for the sacrifices they've made, for their different contributions to America's freedom. Watch over them, Lord. Heal any wounds they face and grant peace and happiness to, to them and their families. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Uh, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and Kathy Comp, who is a member of our Global Outreach Ministry and a member of our prayer ministry, is going to lead us in the time of prayer for our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are facing persecution. We're going to pray 10 different short prayers. I'd ask you all to join me as we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, our family in Christ. First, pray that the persecuted believers will sense God's presence. Pray that they will feel connected to the greater body of Christ. Pray that they will experience God's comfort when their family members are killed, injured, or imprisoned for their witness. Pray that they will have more opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for their boldness to make Christ known. Pray that they will forgive and love their persecutors. Pray that their ministry activities will remain undetected by authorities or others who wish to silence them. Pray that they will rejoice in their suffering. Pray that they will be refreshed through God's word and grow in their faith. Pray that they will be strengthened through the prayers of fellow believers. Father God, we're so thankful for prayer. We're thankful for this way that we can support our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would help them to stand firm in their faith and help them to, to rely on you to get whatever 
to get through whatever they're facing. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a kid, uh, my friends and I would make what are called home movies. All right? Movies, that's right. We'd write out a script, and uh, we'd practice, and then we'd shoot the scenes. Now, movies are like videos, but there are a couple of differences. First of all, we had to go to the store to buy this stuff called film. If you're not sure what that is, just look it up. You know, Google it or something like that. Then after we did the uh, filming, uh, which, by the way, would would only last two minutes and had no audio. Uh, then we would take that film and we would get on our bikes and ride to the store and have the film developed. That's another word that you may not know, all right? It's kind of like editing, but not really. So we would take the film and have it developed. And uh, that's just kind of how things went. And, and we dropped it off and then we would wait. We would wait. And we would wait. And after several days, we'd get on our bikes again, and we'd ride back to the store, pay for the film, pick it up, put it on this thing that's called a projector, and then we would turn the lights off and turn the projector on. And then we would get back on our bikes and ride to the store and buy a bulb for the projector that was burnt out. Then we come back home, put the new bulb in the projector, and watch our movie. What was amazing was we never knew how it was going to turn out. No idea until we actually saw the results. And in today's story in Luke chapter 10, there's something very similar. Jesus sends his disciples out. To be honest, they have no idea how it's going to turn out. But he does, and he's with them, and so all of their efforts were definitely worth it. So Luke chapter 10, it's a long passage, so if you have your printed Bibles or your electronic Bibles or whatever, just follow along. If you don't have one, we have the words for you up on the screen. Luke 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to go to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace, of, if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But whenever you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Be sure of this. The kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sitting in sackcloth and ashes. 
but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to me, or listens to you, listens to me. He who rejects you, rejects me. But he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Then the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, some of the things in this story are a little confusing to us, right? Uh, what's this about sitting in sackcloth and ashes? What does it mean to find a person of peace uh, and to shake the dust off our feet? Why do we stay in the homes of people we've never met? That sounds like stranger danger. Um, what are we supposed to do about this? Anything? Seriously, whatever is put on our plates, we have to eat that? Like, have you ever been to a foreign country, Jesus? Do you have any idea what these people eat? And what about these woes that you're proclaiming on these people? What is that all about? And I'm not all that fond of scorpions and serpents, and I definitely don't want to be treading on them. And sometimes we, we look at these details, and it gets kind of confusing. But understand that the main point of the story is this. Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and on his way, he is going to towns that he's never visited before. He's going to go into people's lives that have never experienced him. That's the main part of the story. And when people don't know Jesus, when they haven't experienced him yet, then you're going to find things like brokenness and pain and sin and very little peace. And so Jesus sends people in front of him, people to go and take his name. And they're there to speak peace and talk about the kingdom and serve. This connects to last week's story, which Jim did such a great job with. You see, before Jesus sends people out, he calls them in to follow. We must make Jesus the most important thing, more important than anyone or anything. So being a follower of Jesus, though, isn't like doing a list of things, like like saying, okay, these five prayers that are kind of special, and then reading the Bible three times through, and completing these seven courses that we have for you, and then going on a mission trip, and then you've arrived. You know, you're really a good follower of Jesus. That's not what it's about. It's not a formula. It's a lifestyle. It's coming to Jesus, letting him pour himself into you, and being so filled that certain things just overflow in your life. And there are several of those kinds of things listed here. For example, followers pray. You're following Jesus. You're going straight ahead. You've got your eyes on him. The seed has been planted. It's been watered. And now it's time for the harvest. And Jesus says, 
Before you go, as you go, pray. When followers of Jesus face an opportunity or a challenge, the first thing they do is pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. God is calling you to pray. So ask this question. How is God calling me to pray? Prayer is the first thing. But it's not the only thing. Followers, go. Jesus sends his disciples out in teams. And that's a pattern you find in the Bible. You find Peter and John, um, Paul and Barnabas, Priscilla and Aquila. And even if a, a person goes out as an individual, the Holy Spirit is a powerful accompanying presence, a partner. So you might be the only person that God is sending to your family or to your work or to your, to your school, to your neighbors. But you are never alone. The Holy Spirit goes before you. He surrounds you. He, he is in you. And we have to go. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. God is calling you to go. So ask this question. To whom is God sending me? Followers, speak. Jesus says to speak peace. Peace can be defined as an absence of conflict or of war, but the Bible has a greater understanding of peace. Peace is an awareness that God is in control and that he is working everything together for our good, no matter what conflict or disorder we are facing. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In Jesus, there is peace. His peace changes everything. And therefore, as his representative, you have the power, the authority, the privilege of walking into a situation and speaking peace. Some of you have experienced that. You've been facing a very difficult time and, and a person has come, a Christian brother or sister has come to you and, and they've prayed with you. Or they've shared a scripture with you. They've given you words of encouragement from God. And the Holy Spirit's presence has been very tangible. And you immediately felt a sense of peace. The presence of God makes all the difference. All the difference. Over the past year, Derek Gordon has faced some real challenges. And yet, he has seen that God is greater. 
Right now, he's going to tell a little of his story. Morning. Morning. I am here to give praise and thank Jesus, thank this church, staff, senior minister Steve, and all the congregation of DCC. As you know, I was struck with a massive pancreatic attack last October. I made it through that and thought my health troubles were over and how wrong I was. Pain returned in January, and in April, I had to have surgery to drain a potato-sized cyst. I was told it was like a big steakhouse potato. <laughs> and they took my gallbladder out, and the surgeon said it was the largest gallbladder he's ever seen, and that, that can't be good. <laughs> but after the operation, the doctor told me how pleased he was with my surgery. He was so happy. And he told me there's a 96% chance I would never have any more problems with my pancreas. Well, if you believe in jinxes, that, that was a jinx. I, I made it back to work one day. I was sick and back in the hospital. I could no longer eat. I had to have tubes inserted to feed me and tubes inserted to drain bile from my stomach. And while in the hospital recovering from that, a nurse noticed my stomach distended and my vital signs were not good. And by 4 a.m., I was having emergency surgery because the pancreas attacked my colon cut off the blood supply, and I lost half of it, and now I have to deal with an ostomy. At this point, my faith was shaken. Why was God punishing me? God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm like, time out. <laughs> I was depressed, and I, I wanted to die. I could not see going through this rehab again, dealing with the circumstances in the ostomy. Well, Jesus heard that prayer, and he sent Steve and uh, Keith Bumgarner to see me within hours. I didn't call them. Jesus did. They prayed with me. They taught me I am not in control of what happened to me. I, I must live day to day, not worry about tomorrow, and turn all my issues over to God, and I will heal in his time, not mine. I began to pray every day for healing, and I did turn it over to him, and I began to heal. Just as I was released from the hospital and sent to Heartland Rehab, my wife Sally was not well. She went to her chiropractor, family doctor, was getting no relief from pain and numbness. Well, I got a call from the neighbor at the rehab center that your wife's being taken to the hospital. But God put the right doctors in her path, and at Riverside, she had two surgeries on her neck for bone spurs, and she's continuing to rehab and, and getting better. It took me until I got out of rehab to be how grateful I am to God for putting me through this ordeal. I'm a better man because of it. I was taking life, Jesus, this church, all for granted. I was taking my health for granted, drinking, eating what I wanted, and ignoring any consequences. I was taking my wife for granted that she would take care of me, and, and she did, but then God said, it's your turn to take care of her. But God is healing me. I eat regular food now and originally thought I'd be on a feeding tube for months. I'm dealing with this ostomy, and if all goes well, I can have surgery next year to reverse it. Well, I wound up back in the hospital a couple weeks ago with a bad infection from a leftover gallstone. I, it seems to me like the devil lived in my gallbladder. <laughs> After I was released, I heard that you had a congregational prayer for me that Sunday morning. Well, 
timing-wise, as I was being taken to this operation late Sunday morning to remove the stone, I was overwhelmed with a feeling of warmth and comfort. I had a big smile on my face, and I felt the embrace of Jesus wrapped in your prayers. I knew I was going to be fine, and all would go well. The, the timing of this was no coincidence. Bob Williams introduced me to a Jesus Calling daily devotional book. It's amazing how it speaks to me many days. I, I find myself drawn to Psalm 23:4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My journey has had me near death many times, but the Lord has guided me through. I want to thank everyone for their prayers for Sally and I. Thanks to Steve and the staff. Thanks to our relatives and family. Special thanks to our home Bible study small group. I, I can't overstate how important it is to be in a small group, and I'm in a great one. We've even remarked so many of us were sick. We've got to keep our group together because nobody would join it. <laughs> And thanks to our friends in the PT Car Club for being there, taking Sally and I to doctor's appointments, hospital visits. Thanks for your meals and financial help. I, I can't imagine going through this without all the support we received. I also fear the damage to my pancreas will affect my lifespan. I fear I have no idea how much longer I have to live, but I realize now none of us know the answer to that. I'm no different than any of us here. None of us know how long we have before Jesus calls us home. I have a favorite quote from the movie Star Trek Generations by Captain Picard. <laughs> Someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all our lives. But I'd rather believe that time is a companion that goes with us on this journey and reminds us to cherish every moment because it'll never come again. What we leave us behind is not as important as how we lived. I saw the doctors a few days ago, like every week, and they have a great team at Ohio State, and they all seem very glad to see me. People come in and check on me. Well, Dr. Jones from the gastro department told me that I am the sickest patient they have. And they told me that someone who survives acute necrotizing pancreatitis faces an uphill battle of about two years just to get stable. And they're very pleased to see that I've made it one year, and I'm fairly pleased too. <laughs> So I, I hope my testimony will give hope to others going through rough times. You can get through it with a little help from your friends and trusting in Jesus. Because of this illness, I'm about half the man in size I used to be, but I hope a better man because of it. Thank you. Thank you, Derek, so much. Life can be chaotic, you know? And God's peace makes all the difference. In the lives around you, would you speak peace? Tell people about the kingdom of God. We talked about Philippians 4.6 just a couple of minutes ago when we were looking at the idea of prayer and the very next verse, Philippians 4, 7, says this. And the peace of God, which goes beyond any understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is calling you to speak. 
ask this question. To whom is God calling me to speak? We need to know Jesus is aware that when we speak, there are two possible reactions. One is that people are going to reject the message and the messenger and the Father. In that case, you've spoken the truth in love. You've, you've told them, and so you, you walk away. You move on. Other people, however, are going to embrace that message. And so in that case, followers stay. And we have a community on Sunday mornings, but it's a community of several hundred people. And so it's hard for us to have like a, a really personal kind of staying thing. And that's why we put so much emphasis on a small group context, as Derek already mentioned. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and honor each other above yourselves. During the pregnancy of each of our boys, Teresa had to stay in bed for several weeks. And our physical family was very helpful as it was supposed to be. But you know what? Our spiritual family was helpful as well, as it's supposed to be. They prayed for us. They brought us meals. They, they took care of our young daughter. They stayed with Teresa during the day. They, they even helped with some of my ministry tasks so I could spend more time at home. I mean, these were people who had their own lives and their own families and their own jobs and their own challenges and their own busy schedules, and yet they stayed with us because that's what followers of Jesus do. Over the years, Teresa and I have uh, been in small groups life groups with over 125 people in three different countries. And I tell you, very honestly, many of those people I could contact today and they would do whatever they can to help us out. And I would do, we would do the same for them. And as much as we really enjoy our current life group, we know the day is coming when God is going to birth another group from that. And that will give those groups an opportunity to love each other and to grow together and to serve people inside and outside the group. Jesus tells us that when people want to spend time with him, we need to spend time together. We need to stay. And so God is asking you to stay. Ask this question. Who is God telling me to stay with right now? Followers also serve. When people are together in Jesus' name, healing happens. Our physical, our emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual lives are all healthier. Yet there are so many people who have not yet experienced Jesus. They need his presence to enter into their disordered lives. They need you to serve. Now here are three 
ways, upcoming ways that we as a congregation are offering so that we can serve. One is the ministry fair next week. After the service, just walk out in the halls and, and get some information, talk to some people, pray about it, take the plunge, and serve. You know what? It might not be the right fit, but if it's not, just jump into another one. Jump into another ministry and serve there. Another way for you to serve is to be a part of the upcoming Thanksgiving and Christmas offering. We're calling it Blessed to Bless this year. It's very similar to what we've done in the past. We're, we've been blessed. We really have, and we are called to bless others. So our offering this year is going to have uh, the idea behind it that we bring hope and peace and joy into people's lives. It's going to have three components to it. One is going to be uh, helping to fund the prayer room here in our building because we believe prayer is really important and we're dedicating a space for that. So some of the money will go for that. Some of the money is going to go to the C3 church that we've helped to plant in the Ohio State context. And uh, we're excited about the ministry they're doing and we're going to give them an offering from this as well. And all the rest of the money is going to go out just as we've done in the past. And your life group will be able to go and take big chunks of money to someone who really needs to have some hope and joy and peace poured into their lives. We're excited about that. So we'll give you more information. Uh, We'll start that officially on the 22nd of November. And then the third way to serve is really easy. All you have to do is come to the concert this Saturday night with John Branion and Michael O'Brien and... Bring someone with you. Bring somebody with you. You can get tickets online or you can pick them up today in the lobby. If you come, you're going to see stuff like this. Morning person. The sun barely breaks over the horizon. She's hovering over the bed. (gasps) Look, sleepyhead, the sun's up. The sky is blue. The birds are singing. It's going to be a great day. It's time to get up, 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 up. The birds are singing. That is the only sound that they know how to make. (laughs) You know what I think? I think one bird gets up early, and the noise outside the window is all the other birds going, Shut up! Do you think God has a sense of humor? Yes, he has a sense of humor. He made, uh, he invented marriage. He said, I'm going to take these two people with entirely different spirits, entirely different brains, totally different frequencies in their functioning, and I'm going to make them one. <laughs> so he took, uh, he, took he, he made Adam first from the dust of the earth. He made man, and then he took a rib, right? Took a rib from man and made woman. And obviously, that was the rib that we used to use to read minds. (laughs) Uh, Lori and I figured it out. We we figured out what the source of conflict is. We know what causes the two of us to fight. It's me. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the first fight I caused. It was right after we got married. And uh, I wanted to go out with the guys, just me and the guys, out like we used to. And she wanted me to stay there with her and cut the cake and throw the bouquet and all that stuff. (laughs) 
This concert's going to be so much fun, you're not going to think of it as ministry, but it is. It really is. It's for you. It's ministry. And, and Michael O'Brien, who's going to sing, is just going to really pour into us. It's going to be wonderful. Um, it's also ministry for these guys. This is how they fund their families' bills. You know, they take care of their lives this way. So please, please help them out. But the most important thing is this is going to be for people in your life who need some laughter. Some people who need to experience God's peace. Some people who need to know that God really does love them. And he is for them. And so are we. God is calling you to serve. So ask this question. Who is God asking me to serve? Finally, and, and very briefly, followers return and rejoice. Praying and going and staying and serving can wear you out. Jesus knows that, and he wants to help. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It all comes full circle. We, we come to Jesus to follow him. He sends us out, and then we return to him. So tell Jesus your stories of frustration, joy, difficulty, and victory. And Jesus listens while you pour out your heart. And he does not do it while he's texting or surfing. Jesus is calling you to return to him. Ask this question. How is God calling me to do that? Maybe someone here needs to return to God for the very first time. If you want to come forward and, and talk or pray about what it means to, to follow Jesus... To, to make him the savior of your life. And Lord, you can come forward and, and we'll talk and pray about that together. You know, I love how this story ends. It's really, really neat because we see Jesus celebrating and praising and, and laughing and rejoicing and praying. When we return, Jesus rejoices with us. And the greatest rejoicing, Jesus tells us, is that our names are written in heaven. Now listen, my friends, we are getting ready to sing these words. I am found. I'm yours. I'm loved. I'm made pure. I have life. I can breathe. I am healed. I am free. Because you are strong. You are sure. You are life. You endure. You are good, always true. You are light, breaking through. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see the glory of the risen king. Followers of Jesus, pray. They go 
They speak peace. They stay with people. They serve. They return to Jesus, and they rejoice with him. God is calling you to rejoice. Ask this question. Am I willing to rejoice with all of my heart? Let's stand and praise our God.